0: There is a hum, Ethan. Well, Father, we just thank you for this time where we now can look to your word and what you have said. We thank you, Father, that your word is true. Even as we've been singing this morning, we will take you at your word. If you said it, I believe it, that on your word we can rely. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus, you were the word that became flesh and dwelt among us, and you were full of grace, and you were full of truth. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that today, as we open your word you take hold with us you show us the things that you inspired and you allow them to take root down in our hearts that they are there when we need them that they rise as we respond to the situations of life in faith by based upon your word and so we thank you for it in Jesus name amen and amen well, we're going to continue on in our season of faith. That's where we've been focusing on in and out throughout this entire year. In the last, uh, I think, month now, we've been back onto this. And uh, we're going to continue on that until the Holy Spirit says to go a different direction. You know, even to, to this morning, I had a message all planned out and everything. And as I was looking at it before service, is like, no, it's not. It's just not right. There's some other, other directions we need to go. And so we may preach some of this. We may preach none of this. But... Uh, Whatever it is, it's going to be what the Holy Spirit wants because I don't care what I planned. You know, I think that's an important thing as we're in our lives as Christians. You can have all the plans that you want, and they can be worthless. <laughs> and so there's sometimes where it's be like, no, I got I to gotta go a different direction. I got to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, it says the, the book of Proverbs says, many are, many are the plans of a man— But they don't take you where you want to (laughs) go. They don't take you where you want to (laughs) go. And so, Father, we just thank you for your direction this morning. We thank you for your leading and your guiding. And where we've been basing off of for the last few weeks is that this statement, faith does not command God, it believes him. And this is an important statement for us to wrap our minds around because it's very easy as we were talking about last week, to let your walk of faith, your journey of faith, or your believing for certain things in your life, simply turn into works. Where you're striving to make something happen. And faith doesn't make something happen. Faith grabs hold of what God has already done. And we make statements within the faith camp like faith moves the hand of God. No, it doesn't. God has already moved on your behalf. Faith receives from the outstretched hands of God. The Bible says he's already given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. He doesn't have to give you anything again. He's already made a provision. Just as salvation, Jesus doesn't have to go to the cross and die again because someone new gets to get saved. No, it says in, but when we get saved that we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that God has raised him from the dead. And so the realities of the new covenant in which we live in, they are finished realities. They are things he's already done. And we can always say, like, well, I don't see them. No, go ahead and believe them. Go ahead and receive them in. that God's already got his hand stretched out with everything that you will ever need. He's made all the provision that you need. And you just go say, God, I believe that I have what you say I have. I can do what you said I can do. That I am what you said I am. And, and it changes the perspective. And so when we were looking in Romans chapter 10, I think I got that right here. We can look at that scripture. It says, Paul said to the Romans, faith speaks in this way. It doesn't say who in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will ascend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up. And so it says faith speaks in this way, and it doesn't talk like this, is what Paul says. It doesn't say, I'm going to go to heaven, and I'm going to make God come here, or I'm going to bring him up. It doesn't command God. It doesn't make him do anything. But then he tells us what does it He says, but what does it say? He says, the word is near you, and it's in your mouth, and it's in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. And so the voice of faith sounds like the word, and the word says it's done. And so if the tense of our voice the past, present, future, if the tense in our voice is still looking ahead, you're simply in hope. Hope is a confident expectation of good things to come. Where Hebrews 11 tells us that now faith is. Faith is a present tense reality. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There may be things that began in your life as a hope where you were looking ahead, but when the word grabs hold with faith, it stops looking ahead and says, it's here. And just like how we've been looking at Abraham, where last week we read that he was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. So uh, Abraham wasn't going about striving to make it happen. It says he was fully persuaded. And we told you that that word there for fully persuaded is interesting. It's made up of two words, which means full or fully, hence the fully. But when we say that he was fully persuaded, that word that is persuaded Means to wear like a set of clothes. Meaning Abraham didn't try to make it happen, he just went ahead and wore it like it was so. And so Abraham didn't go about saying, Oh, I'm just a guy who wants to have some kids. He went about saying, I'm the father of many nations. That's what his name meant. God changed his name to Abraham. He wore it. He wasn't standing in between waiting for the child to come before he said, there'll be nations come from me. No, he believed God when he had no kids. He, what, what, was this, what was the believing? That it is so. God, as you have said it, it is so. And so faith doesn't command the hand of God. It believes the hand of God, that he has moved on your behalf. He's done everything that will ever be needed, and he thought the work was so good, he went up into heaven and he sat down, meaning he was done. He was done with all the working. And then to make it even better for us, Ephesians chapter 2 says, he raised us up together with him and made us to sit together with him in those heavenly places. And so Jesus was done with the work. He finished it. He, we need to agree with him at how finished and how good that work was. And that's what faith sounds like. But as I said, faith it's easy to let our faith walk turn into a work walk. Where we're striving to make something happen. And so faith, when it speaks, sounds like the word. But the posture of your heart is one that is at rest. And that's what we were looking at at Hebrews chapter 4. It says, there remains a rest for the people of God. That's Hebrews 4 verse 9. And that word rest, we told you last week, is an awesome word. That word rest means a calming of the winds. There may be many things that blow hard in your life. And, you know, we have the sayings that the the squeaky wheel gets the grease. There may be things that are talking loud, screaming loud. It doesn't mean that they should demand your attention. When the Word of God says, that's not how it is. Don't give it your attention. Give God your attention. And so many winds may blow in your life, but for the people of faith... There remains a calming of the winds. And it says that we who have believed have ceased from our works. And so the internal posture of faith is not one of anxiety. It's not anxious. I need this to happen so that I can feel comfortable. It, or I need to get up and I need to get moving so that something can happen. And so I felt in my heart we needed to go back this direction because it's very easy to turn our faith into works. You don't need to make anything happen. You are the believer. He is the performer. And so we respond to the word of God. When the storms arise, we go, no, 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 no. You be quiet. But I don't go, got to make it stop i got to make it stop. No, that's not your job. It said that Abraham was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. And so our job is just simply say, God, I agree that you're big enough that you can do what you said you did, and you did it. I don't have to question your character. I don't have to question your nature. When the Bible says that you are the Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, I can go ahead and just believe you on that and say that whatever situation I find myself in, I will have more than enough the Lord provides. The Lord, you said, ask, and you shall receive that your joy might be full. And so I can have a posture of rest within my heart. I don't have to get into a a works mentality of anxiety of trying to make something happen. This is important because we have to understand when we're going through faith journeys, how it feels on the inside will tell you whether or not you're you're in faith. Because faith rests in what God has said. It eases back. That doesn't mean that there can't be external action going on, but it's important to listen to what's going on right here in your heart. It says, with the heart, man believes. What's going on right here? How are you feeling? If you're getting worked up, go, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not how this is supposed to be. Let's go back to the word and remind ourselves how it is. And so we can listen on the inside. And that becomes hard for a lot of Christians when we live exactly like the world, so busy, so worked up, so wound up, we don't recognize where the peace of God is. What did Jesus say to us? He said, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives you, which means it's going to feel different. It's going to feel different than how the world gives, how the world feels on the inside. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, that's, that's talking to God, let your requests be made known unto him. And so rather than getting worked up, go talk. Say, God, this is how I'm feeling, and this is what you said. Help me bring my feelings into subjection. You know, Garnet pointed out there three week, two weeks ago that I had said some things at the end of the service that came out by the Spirit of God where I said, feelings will follow. What will will they follow? They'll follow what you believe. Your feelings will follow. Feelings are great. They are. Feeling happy is a good thing. But they don't dictate what is true. They dictate what you're perceiving. You can be afraid about a lot of things that you don't need to be afraid of. Come on, you ever woke up in the middle of the night and your, your, your clothes are hanging off the closet door and it kind of looks like there's a figure standing there and you're like, oh, and then you're like, oh, wait, that's just my jacket hanging there. You were f- responded by what you perceived, but what you perceived wasn't actually True, And so there's a lot of things in this world that will bring up a fear response or a worry response or an anxiety response. And we have to ask ourselves, is that really true? You know what is true? The Word. It doesn't change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Paul said, Wh- whatever things are true, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, think on these things. And so feelings are awesome. I'm so glad that I have feelings for my children. And most of the time, they're good good feelings. But sometimes when, you know, if you've ever had kids, there's been times where you're like, does that change that I love them? No. It was a feeling that was taking over in that moment. But the reality of the truth is I love them. I'm just not happy with what they did, you know? And so a lot of times we look to our feelings to determine whether something is true. Your feelings will follow what you believe. And so faith doesn't command God, it believes Him. And so we ended off last week saying that faith is a response, not a work. Hebrews 10.17 in the Passion's Translation says, Faith is birthed in a heart that responds to the authoritative word of God. Faith just responds. And so there's going to walk you're going to walk into situations in your life where things are going to happen and your faith is going to respond, and you're going to find out really quick what you actually believe. As Pastor Wendy used to always say, when you squeeze the tube of toothpaste, what's inside is going to come out. And the beliefs that you have fostered when the pressure is on are going to come screaming out of you when the pressure's on. And so you're going to find out exactly what you believe because that's going to be the response that comes out of you. And so this morning, I want to look at Jesus' response to what situations that were going on. And let's go over to uh, Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. And in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, he returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So Jesus has just been, been baptized in water by John the Baptist and the holy spirit has come down out of heaven and came upon him and god calls out from heaven and said this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased you got to think that that was probably a very impactful moment for jesus right there he, he, God is confirming what he'd already been feeling. He's now filled with the Holy Spirit and power. And then the next verse it says, he's led into the wilderness. It seems like an interesting choice. But it says, and being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. 40 days. Come on, I don't think most of us make it 40 minutes before we snack on something. 40 days he was hungry. No doubt. He was hungry. And I want you to know that when the devil shows up in your life and the enemy tries to put pressure on you, it's never at the real convenient times when you got it all together. (laughs) And you're, you're, you're like, okay, come on, devil, I can take you. No, he comes at those moments when you're feeling weak, when you're feeling discouraged because he wants to put the pressure on a little bit more because he wants to break you. You have to understand, you're unbreakable in Christ Jesus. There is nothing that you cannot overcome by the Spirit of God on the inside of you. He will lead you into triumph in all things. But the enemy... He's going to come when you're at your weakest. And so here, after 40 days, Jesus is hungry, and the devil says to him in verse 3, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Well, what is the first thing he attacks in him? His identity, his relational status, With God, 40 days prior to this, God spoke from heaven. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And in the moment of weakness, the enemy immediately wants to attack that and says, if you are. There was no if needed to be put in there. He was. God confirmed it. But yet, it doesn't matter what God confirmed. What does Jesus believe? And the enemy will always try to twist your identity and convince you that you aren't what God said you are. And that you can't do what he said you can do. And that you don't have what he said you have. He's going to put pressure on those points because those are the points that make you stand out from amongst the crowd. Come on, the world's not standing up saying I'm a son and I'm a daughter of God. They're not saying I am blessed, so blessed. They're not standing up, but when the church stands up in the blessing that God has given to them, it looks different and people start to say, so why is it that you're so different? We're all going through the same garbage, but it doesn't seem to be affecting you. Come on, it shouldn't. And so he says, if you are the son of God, he begins to twist and to see what you'll put up with. He did the exact same thing with Eve in the garden. Did God not say? And then he twisted what God had said. And she believed him. But Jesus is not going to fall for that. He says, if you're the son of God, command the stone to become bread. Come on, he's hungry. And Jesus answered, or we could say it this way. Jesus responded, and how did he respond? It is written. The word of God came pouring out of him. And it, when you're in times of pressure, at times of struggle, what is, what is on your mouth? Is the word coming out? Because faith speaks like the word is near me. It's in my mouth, and it's in my heart. And so if the word has never been put in or given the esteem that it is needed, it's not going to come out in the time of struggle. And so as the pressure is on Jesus, all of those times in the synagogue begin to pour out of him. And all that time that he had spent in the word, come on, even at 12 years of age, he was in there teaching the priests. And they were like, man, this kid's got some wisdom. Why? Because he kept putting it in. He kept showing up. He kept reading the word. In Luke chapter 4, just a few verses, he goes into the temple and he found the place where it was written. You can't find the place where it was written if you've never read where it's written. You don't know to look for something that you've never read. And so there'll be things that are supposed to come out of you in time of pressure that if you haven't put the word in, the word's not going to come out. Amen? And so Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And so what Jesus said back to the devil was, there's things more important than food. My natural body may be saying, I'm hungry right now. But the word of God is a more sustaining supply in what is needed in this moment. And so then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give to whomever I wish. This was not actually a lie. It's true. Adam gave his authority to the devil. He tells us here, it's been delivered to me. Adam abdicated his position at the fall and gave it to the enemy. And so this wasn't a lie. This is actually true. He says, All authority I'll give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give to whomever you wish. Therefore, if you'll worship before me, all of it will be yours. And Jesus answered, or Jesus responded, and said to him, Get behind me, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. You know, he tried to tempt Jesus with power and authority. Well, after Jesus rose up from the grave, what did he say? All the authority is now mine. Here, you take it and you go. So he didn't have to be tempted by what the devil could give. He just went ahead, barged into hell, kicked the doors open, broke the chains, and said, Hey, guess what? I'm taking the authority back, and I'm giving it back to my kids. It says, Then he brought him to Jerusalem, and he set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written. Oh, the the enemy's getting a little smart here. He's now going to quote the word to Jesus. You know, the thing is, you can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say by taking it out of its context. Because the devil here quotes to Jesus, he shall give his angels charge over you and they shall keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. He's quoting the Bible to him. That's in the book of Psalms. He's quoting it to him. And so there'll be times that there'll be things that are true, but are they true for the moment? The word of the Lord that is appropriate for the situation you're in will rise to the top. You know, as, I, as I've been going across Canada, preaching with Kenneth Hagin, Ministries of Canada this year, I keep running into a similar situation. I've been preaching a message called contend, contend for the faith, and how in the book of Jude, he says, I earnestly felt that I need to tell you to contend for the faith that's been delivered to you. And I've been telling people, you need to put your foot down and say no. And I keep running into the same phenomenon. People come afterwards And they're like, well, I heard what you said, but here's what's happening. How do I fix it? And so, you know, you can tell by the tone whether or not they're actually sincere. Some people just like to whine and complain and tell you why it's not possible for them. It is. You're just not willing. There's a difference between something being willing and then you being willing. Or something being possible and you being willing. And so I had this one lady come up and say, well... I've got such horrible, chronic arthritis, and I'm trying to stand, but it just doesn't seem to be working. And I said, in what scripture are you standing on? Uh, Well, all of them. And I said, no. There's a lot of good things in the Bible, but the Holy Spirit has the word for you in this situation that will rise up for you to latch on to come on you don't won't be blessed by what i know you'll be blessed through what you know you will not be able to stand on the word i know you will stand on the word you know that's why it's so important faith rises out of the word you know i'm hearing more and more well the Bible's just, you know, it's been tainted, it's been changed. No, the enemy wants you to believe that so that you won't put your trust in it and faith won't be able to rise from it. Go ahead and throw that hogwash on the fire and let it burn up. The word of God is true and let every man be a liar. That's what it says. And so whatever they say, if they're talking like that to you, go ahead and say, you've been deceived. They've bought into the if that the enemy brought them. And so the enemy here quotes scripture to Jesus, and Jesus goes ahead and puts it right back and puts him in his place and says, he responded to him and said, it's been said, you don't test, you don't tempt the Lord your God. Which, do you know what was him saying? He's saying, I am the son of God. You keep saying if, and I'm telling you, you don't test and you don't try the son of God because that's who I am. He put it right back in his place. You notice Jesus didn't get worked up in all of this? There was external action, but it was not filled with agitation. And that's what I'm trying to get across this morning, is we don't need to get worked up on the inside. You can be fighting the biggest battle of your life and still stand in peace because his peace he left you. You can be running the hardest race you've ever run in your life, but the internal posture of I believe is continually renewing your strength because on the inside, I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm listening to Him. I'm responding to what His Word has said. And so we don't need to make it, i got to do this. It's got to happen. No, it has happened. And it says, now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. You know what that meant? Until another moment when Jesus wasn't on his best. Because Jesus went from being not on his best to being right on his game as soon as the pressure was applied. And you could be having your worst day and the pressure comes on and the word comes out and the devil goes, okay now's not a good time. I'll come back later. Come on. It says resist the devil and he will flee. And it says, resist him steadfast in faith. And so the devil takes off. He cuts out. Peace out, boy. I don't want any more to do with this. And it says, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. He went from being hungry to returning in the power of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Let's look at another moment of response from Jesus in Mark eleven chapter, uh, yeah, Mark chapter eleven verse twelve. It starts this way: It "says Now the next day, when he had come out of from Bethany, he was hungry." This is another story in a row where Jesus is hungry. <laughs> he was hungry, and seeing from afar off a fig tree having leaves. He went to see perhaps if he would find something on it. And when he had came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season of figs. And you may say, well, if it wasn't the season of figs, why was Jesus looking for figs on the tree? I am not a horticulturalist, but what I've understood from other people saying it is that when there's leaves on the tree, the leaves and the figs develop at the same time. So if there's leaves, there should be figs. And so the tree was being deceitful. Jesus saw the leaves from afar off because it says he saw it from afar. And he's like, oh, great, I'm hungry. There should be figs. There's leaves. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not a horticulturalist. You can correct me if you are. And so he sees it from afar off, he gets there, and there's no figs on it. And in response, Jesus said to it, what was the response to? The tree was speaking, not verbally, but it was saying to him, you're not getting that hunger filled by me. And Jesus responded to the situation. It just came right out of him, and he said, let no one eat fruit from you Ever again, and on this next part's important. And the disciples heard it. So Jesus spoke to the tree. Come on. If you're not, if you think that's crazy, you're probably not gonna like a few more verses when he says, speak to the mountain. And there's things that show up in your life that you need to do a little speaking to. And you'd be like, well, that's a little foolish. Why would I speak to my car? I had to speak to my car one time. I was out, and it was the middle of the night, like 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, and I was out of gas. I was driving that old safari van you guys had, and it was a gas guzzler. And I'm out in the middle of nowhere, and every uh, gas station that I came to was closed. And so I drove one hour, no gas. Two hours, no gas. Three hours, no gas. No gas. And I had to keep telling that car, car, we're not getting stuck out here. You keep going. And last time, when was the last time your car hit E and you drove three more hours? Come on. There's things that show up in your life you go ahead and speak to. Now, the the normal thing would be put gas in it. That wasn't possible, but I was not getting stranded. And so there's things that we just put up with, like, oh, well, they're closed. We can't do it. I might as well just pull over and wait for the tow truck, you know, call AAA or whatever. No, speak to it. And so here's Jesus talking to a tree. He says, in response, let no one eat from you ever again. And his disciples heard it, and he walked on. I like that he just kept on going. He didn't sit there and wait. Okay, tree, uh, no, it hasn't started to die yet. Come on. We need to do this again tree die nothing's happened yet that's how a lot of people treat faith no jesus spoke to it and kept on moving because why when you speak it's done stop checking in you don't need to check in faith says it's done so jesus goes on into the city And he cleans out the temple and he flips over some tables. And I I couldn't pass up this opportunity. Dylan sent me a great meme the other day. And it says, uh, what happens when you ask AI for a pick of of Jesus flipping over tables? (laughs) That's why you can't trust AI. It doesn't know what it's talking about. That's not what he did. So he goes in. He cleans out the temple. And it says, now in the morning." As they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. That's an important detail. It dried up from the roots. And so Jesus could have stood there, looked at the tree, and kept waiting and waiting and say, Oh, nothing happened when below the surface, beyond what he could see, something was happening. And not everything that is changing in your life is happening the way you can see it right away. But you need to understand, below the surface, behind the scenes, God is making a way where there was no way. He's opening doors that everybody else had said to shut. You know, just because you didn't see it happen yet doesn't mean he's not already gone to work. So don't turn your words against him and say, oh, it didn't happen. No, keep going on. And so it says, now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look! Exclamation point. Which means Peter's like, wow! And you know Jesus couldn't care less? He kept moving. He had just planned on walking right by. Why? Because he spoke the word and he expected it to be so. Peter was shocked, though. You're telling me this actually works? And he says, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away, and Jesus didn't go, oh, that's awesome, amazing. Let's go tell everybody in Jerusalem how awesome that is. No, Jesus expected that what he said was so. And so Jesus' response to them was said to them, have faith in God. And that's a good that's a good place to start. Have faith in God or put your trust in God. But that's not actually what the Greek says here. In the Greek here, the Bible in basic English says it a little better. It says, he answered them saying, have God's faith. Another translation says, have the God kind of faith. Meaning, Peter, do it like I do it go ahead and use mine and expect it to do the same thing for you that it does for me. He wasn't saying just put your faith in God. He's saying go ahead, take God's faith and use it. Because that's exactly what he's given you. The book of Galatians says that we are dead and we are in Christ and the life we now live we live by faith of the Son of God. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says that he's given unto you the measure of faith. Where did that measure of faith come from? Him. It's his faith. And so he says to Peter, get rid of your human reasoning and your human ability of believing and take my faith and do something. And I'm going to tell you, Peter, here's what happens when you use my faith instead of yours. He says, for assuredly, I say to you that whoever, everyone say "whoever." whoever. You know what that means? You're not excluded. And if you feel like you can't, the devil's been lying to you because you can. He said, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. What is doubt? Doubt is the thief of God's blessings. When we begin to believe other things than what he has said, it robs you of that mountain moving power because you chose to believe something else over God. He says, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he'll have whatever he says. And what we need to understand about this verse is that it talks about saying, if you're not speaking, nothing's happening. There is no silent faith. David didn't run at the Goliath going, in his mind, I sure hope this happens. No, he said, who are you, you uncircumcised Philistine? I'm going to kill you right now, and I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air. He went at his giant with his mouth a-moving. And what was he saying? He was talking about how big his God was, how strong his God was, and what his God was about to do to that lion infidel. Come on. And so it says, I say to you that whoever says to this mountain, if your faith is not speaking, it's not faith. You're just sitting in hope. And so he says that whoever says, and I said this a few weeks ago, but it bears repeating. He says, guys, this is something for everyone. And then in case you missed the point, let me reiterate it. Therefore, I say to you, Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them, and you will have them. He reiterates it because sometimes as humans, we get a little dense. I love the story that uh, Joseph, Smith, or Joseph Prince tells. He was in a cab in, in New York City, and as the guy was driving, he said to the man, he's like, you know that God loves you, right? And the man said, oh, yeah, 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 God loves us all. And it's easy to say, oh yeah, we can all do this. Or yes, no. What happens when it says no? I'm talking to you. You can do this. God loves you. You can believe. You can use the God kind of faith. And that's where the rubber hits the road. There's things that you believe are true, but not necessarily true for you. And that's why Jesus reiterated, Guys, don't miss the boat. I'm talking to you. You speak, you pray, you believe, you receive. It's done. I just spoke to a tree and it listened. Are you getting the picture? That's what your faith does. And so faith needs to be near you, in your mouth and in your heart. Because faith springs from the word of God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I think I'm done. Pastor Robin, you want to wrap us up?
1: (laughs) Um, As you're probably aware that... uh Pastor Wendy and Pastor Jordan are away next week, so I get to preach. And um, but um, Pastor Jordan just preached my message, so <laughs> so let me just say this: to be continued. <laughs> Amen. It's offering time. Okay. So something we've been learning the last couple of. Uh, week, uh, weekends, or weeks, Sundays, is your voice, you're speaking, you're saying, so as we're taking up the offering, your seed needs to hear your voice, based upon faith that is created in the word of God, concerning your finances. Concerning money, concerning giving, concerning receiving, considering sowing, considering harvest. It needs to hear your voice. It needs to be out there. So let's say this together. This is my seed. I sow it into the kingdom of God. Seed, do what you do best, grow. I sow you to sow the gospel. I sow you to strengthen believers. I sow you to grow. All right, can I... I sow you to grow, multiply, and return in great supply. Harvest, I receive you. Lack, I resist you. His supply is sufficient. I walk in abundance of grace. In Jesus' name, amen. So seed, I speak to you. Do what you're supposed to do. Grow, multiply, and return a harvest to the glory of the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 You are a blessed people. Let's have-